This podcast was created on Messy. Create your own show today at messy.fm. Everybody, how are you guys doing out there tonight? Tonight's episode is episode number two for season two. Um, tonight we are talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre two. <laughs> tonight is a night of twos, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, I have with me uh, tonight um, Mr. Mike Cat. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And my fiance, Brian Wilson, who you guys will probably remember from the Aliens episode. Hey, everyone. And I hope you guys enjoy this um, episode that we have here. I hope you guys enjoyed last night's episode, too, where we had Miss Deborah Voorhees on from Friday the 13th, A New Beginning. That was a fun episode. And this one's going to be a fun episode, too. Right, guys? Oh, yeah. I think so. And yes. <laughs> oh, I forgot to introduce my son because my son, you guys will probably hear him from time to time. So <laughs> my son is here too. So, uh, but um, uh, yeah, today we are discussing Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. I don't really like this this one. Uh, <laughs> I agree with most, most folks that say that this is a horrible movie. Uh, <laughs> but it, it was still fun, you know. The horror movies are still fun. That's what they are, you know. They're fun movies. So even though this was, uh, in my opinion, horrible, it's still fun. Uh, and Mr. Mike, I know that you you have a different opinion. I know you love the movie, but it's fun, right? We can agree that it's a fun movie. Oh my god! It's totally heard you say it was. I my jaw just dropped open and all thinking how could this be horrible but yes it does have its downfalls but it's definitely fun and I will actually put it on par with the first with context that we can get into later but I definitely think it is one of the better horror sequels out there and really? I know I had it I really do <laughs> and I have my reasons and some may agree some may not but right. I Definitely think, especially for the time, it was made very well. Well, it, it, it's a black comedy, you know. And if you like, if you love black comedies, this is most definitely the movie for you. And if you don't, I mean, oh, go ahead. It is. And right off, I'll say right off the bat, if folks remember just the movie poster, it was a satire of the Breakfast Club. Yes, movie. it was. Just to show you right, so that goes to right there and there. The, the director, the director, really he. Know, that's what Tony was going for, but I think it succeeded not only doing a satire, but actually making an effective horror movie on its own. Whether that was intentional or he just lucked out, I don't know, but I think it still stands on its own. 
yeah. a really good horror follow. Yeah. And uh, it was released in 1986, 12 years after the first uh, Chainsaw Massacre. So, uh, and, and it stars Dennis Hopper and Caroline Williams and Bill Johnson and Bill Mosley and Jim Sido. So and it, it was a, a pretty good cast, I would say. Pretty good cast. Oh, yeah. And, of course, Mosley definitely knocked out the part. People love him as Chop Top. That's definitely one of his main. Oh, yeah. My, my fiance was addition, saying that. Right. In addition to the, the Rejects films. Well, what was uh, your favorite part of the uh, movie? Mike, uh, I'll start with you first. What was your favorite part of uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2? I really, I think it starts high and it doesn't quite catch up, but I got to go for the opening scene when the two guys are racing and talking, racing in the car and they're on the radio show and Mm -hmm. what is it, when Leatherface and his family they creep up, right? He's on the top of the car with the music blasting with the chainsaw with wearing the mask of whomever, just the first thing you see of him and the two guys are freaking out. It's hilarious, but also freaky at the same time. It's just, I think it strikes a perfect balance of just, you know, WTF is it going to be about. So, yeah, that was definitely to me. Yeah. the highlight of the film. The way they did, the way they shot that, the angles, the music, everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, babe, what was your um, favorite? I will say that one scene where uh, Leatherface finally busts through the wall when um, um, when the um, young lady was trapped in, a, oh, uh, yeah. in the freezer. He busts through the wall and then he was uh, chainsawing the, the ice and the, and the sodas as it was in the ice. And you can see like you, you would be thinking like, okay, he's about to kill her. And then you're like, wait, he's not about to kill her. <laughs> so and then, you know, you might get confused. If you, especially if you watch the first one, you'd be like, wait a minute. <laughs> but that's one of my favorite scenes. Uh, okay, I'll tell you, my favorite scene was when Leatherface, uh, Leatherface killed those two idiots that was, that was harassing uh, uh, Stretch. All right. Yeah. Uh, I, oh, I love that scene. <laughs> I, that's, that was my favorite one. He shows up on top of the car and doing some. Yeah, what he doing? Is he doing? Yeah, that's actually my favorite kill too. Yeah, the whole movie is definitely. Yeah, they. I think they do. They do get the right the camera angles, the violent, like everything about that scene. They just do it perfectly. Yes. In my opinion. Well, uh, what was your least favorite part? Uh, uh, babe, we'll start with you first on this. What was your least favorite part? The one scene where where Dennis Hopper was buying the chainsaws and he was cutting the the huge log outside and the old man was just like cheering him on. I just felt weird. Like I was like, why is he cheering him on? Well, he's cutting this log, this, this huge log. <laughs> and, and Mike, what's your least favorite part? I mean, there's a couple of things they do definitely knocks the movie down a couple of pages overall. As I said earlier, it doesn't quite hold up to the first, and one of them is there's scenes where they 
characters or they go over the top just a little bit too much. Yeah. yeah. They just don't match what they're supposed to be. As an example, you know, the second main scene of Stretch, or the second scene of her mother face, and then she's already in the underground house of Mars where the mother face sees her, remembers her from the first met at the radio station and it's almost like he feels sorry for her or mm. sympathetic. Like, I don't want to see a sympathetic villain like that. Oh, He's supposed right. to just go all out. And I get it. At the, ver- the first scene, she's talking to him, trying to confuse him and not kill her. Yeah. And that could work because maybe benefit of the doubt, they can, nobody's really tried to actually talk face to face to him, which I get it. But the second time, I just say, just, you know, you have a victim in front of you. Oh, right, just, just go ahead and kill her. <laughs> yeah, to me, that takes you out of the terror element a little bit for the villain he's supposed to be, but not a lot. But again, that's just that little inconsistency for the horror is supposed to feel for a villain like that. That's one negative. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, right. uh, well, my uh, least favorite part was um, uh, when uh, Leatherface molested Stretch. <laughs> yeah. She molested her with this chainsaw, y'all. Come on now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that that yeah. was a little bit too much. <laughs> okay. And uh, uh, who was your favorite character, Mike? I'm, I gotta say, I mean, Dennis Hopper, to me, is a genius in most things he does, and even with what doesn't have too much to work with, I think he plays his role as serious as he yeah. can. For what he for what he was to give him, I think just the actor he was, he knows the kind of movie he's in, but he plays it straight. He doesn't try to ham it up too much. He doesn't play it for laughs. He plays it straight. He plays it as straightly as well as he can. So to me, and Dennis Hopper in general, he's magnetic and whatever Oh, he yeah. Does. I was just about to say, he's good in whatever he he does, because uh, he, he was awesome in Speed. So. Oh, great. Yeah, Speed is definitely one of his top. So he, I think he definitely elevates Chance Massacre 2 and Notch Above to what it should be, just because it's him and he plays his character, her traditional straight-laced cowboy role of, you know, right, trying right. to take down the family. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's like uh, you took out my family, now I'm going to take out yours. Right, even when he's doing a chainsaw duel, even when he's doing a chainsaw fight, if you remember that. When he's out, <laughs> yes. I mean, that's, that's, that's one of the hammiest, I mean, you know, ridiculous scenes of the movie, but he plays it so so serious that I mean, you just can't admire what he's doing with that. So, yeah, I do a soccer I'll play for that one. Yes. Uh, who's your um, favorite character? I go with the fan favorite with Chop Top. So here's my thing. I love the guy. He set the tone for the whole movie for me. Um, the only part I didn't like about him, if I have anything, he's my favorite character, but I still say the part where he picks off his skin and eat it. I knew a guy in high school that did that. I thought it was disgusting then. I still say it's disgusting now. That's my main thing. But I love his energy, what he brings. Um, at the uh, one of the opening scenes where he uh, hidden, um, hidden um, I forgot the dude's name with the hammer. Um, L is LG. Yeah. Yeah, when he was hitting with the hammer, and you know, even before that, oh, yeah. he was like, um, when he met Stretch, he's like, "Music is my life," 
you know, that's that's iconic, and I and I like that. Um, I like that about that character. Yeah, I can see that. The skin part that was definitely a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like gold member in a way. That, you know, it reminds me of gold member, which was you know twenty years later after the fact. Yeah. The same thing, right? Yep. <laughs> well, my favorite character is actually LG, and I know that, that's probably weird because you know I, I should it should be stretched because she's the only woman in the darn movie, right? But 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 my favorite character was LG. I, I just I just liked him. He was such a sweet guy, and and I honestly didn't like it when when Chop Chop decided to kill him. <laughs> yeah. In a brutal way too. It wasn't a flood death either. I mean, yeah, no, yeah. that was brutal. <laughs> it was terrible. It was a My gosh! You know, I can see what he said. Everything was like, like old school gentleman type. You know? Yeah. You know, and he, you could tell that he would take more stuff, but he just met. He just met up against too many, uh, too tough people. Oh, right. <laughs> there was no way that he was going to live through that night no. with them. <laughs> with them. All right. Uh, well, uh, uh, Babe, who is your least favorite character? Um, I have to say this. Um, it's those two guys at the beginning. Um, the one with the with the with the, with the uh, sunglasses. The two oh yeah, especially guys. him. Yeah, it was just shooting that random stuff. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I know this is Texas, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, it was just, it was just a little, you know, once again, once again. I know some guys, what was in high school was college. It's just that arrogance, like, I could do what I want, when I want, you know, type of thing. I, I've never, yeah, I've never they really did been. have that kind of yeah. arrogant attitude. And I was just like, okay. And then when I saw Leatherface, I said, justice. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, who was your least favorite uh, character? I mean, you, so you've already talked about two guys in the beginning in the car just doing what you know, I mean, you know, this two, like, arrogant guys telling someone over the radio would be doing, but, and they're, of course, just, you know, jackasses, but I want to say, you know, not many people probably would admit to this, so, so the cook, so, Adrian Sawyer, Jen Cito, in a second. Oh, uh, yeah. Just, he, I, I don't want to say, no, like, not my least favorite, but for some reason, he just, the way he plays it in this one, yes. he seems to have this air, like, just this smug, just weird yep. base. Like, you know, this expression of the whole thing, you just want to punch. I don't... <laughs> it's just the way he played the role in this one, it just, whatever, it's just not, I don't know, I just, to me, I just, whenever it came on screen, I just wanted to, like, punch my TV and get to him. <laughs> so just, the way he played the role this, the way he played the role this time, to me, that's a feeling I got. But maybe that just means he's a good enough actor to listen to those oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Which, but as far as least favorite character, probably him. My least favorite character, and I know I, I'll, I'll probably get a lot of heck for this <laughs> from you guys and from everybody who listens to this podcast, but I didn't like Leatherface on this one. And, and that's not to say that Bill Johnson didn't do a good job because he did. He did it to the best of his ability. But Leatherface in this one, to me, it, it's kind of like like how Mike, how you said um, 
you know, uh, Leatherface didn't, you know, kill Stretch when he had the chance. Uh, to me, he he kind of was idiotic this time around. Like, like he was like a bumbler, right? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yes, and that's exactly what I wrote down in my notes. The thing about this little face, you look, you look at him like, "Hey, I can get away from you because you're gonna be stumbling yes. and falling. I'm good." The old little face is like, "Okay, let me go ahead and write my will right now." Right, <laughs> or write your will right now because I'm about to kill you. <laughs> so yeah, this leather face just didn't do it. You know, we're supposed to be scared. Of this Leatherface, yes. and I, I went. I, I was just more agitated at this Leatherface. And just like you said, you know, he was trying to make us feel sympathy for him, and I'm like, why? You know, I'm never gonna feel sympathy for the other horror villains like Freddy Krueger or Jason. I'm definitely not gonna feel sympathy for Leatherface. Right, right. It, it just didn't make sense to me. <laughs> he or that character or. You know, the character on part two just didn't make sense to me. All right. And I, I think we already covered this, but but do you guys think any of the kills were good on Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2? I think we kind of covered it, but uh, Mike, what do you say to that? Do you think the uh, kills were good? And which ones do you think were better than most? And just because we saw... We saw you know, we saw pretty much everything they did in this movie, we saw previously, whether it was Chainsaw Massacre Part 1 or you know, when the movie came out in the mid-80s, things have already, we've already seen everything, but the way they, but the way they did the kill for the, for the two teens in the car, the two guys in the car, to me, that's the highlight, just the way they did it. I mean, it's not just chasing someone down through the woods, the chainsaw, they're driving, you know, right. leather face, they pulled up the car, music blasting, and then he, you know, cuts into the car. To me, that was just different. It was great. To me, that was just unique. So oh, yeah. I think, yeah. I think that's definitely the kill highlight for the whole film. Oh, yeah. I, I liked the uh, X through the guy's head. Uh, the only thing I, I would say about that is um, I wish they would have showed uh, uh, the guy who, with the glasses. I wish they would have showed his death because he was the one that was actually. He's the one I actually wanted to see get killed in the first place. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I, I just wish they would have showed that. Yeah. yeah so, uh, one of the kills that I was that I like it was the most brutal one was LG. It wasn't just a fact that it was long, but it was one, it was a lot of blood, and two, you saw his leg twitching uh, numerous times throughout that whole scene. Uh, it, was, it was just the most brutal death that I've, that I've seen in, in, um, in this film. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and we have to give it up for Tom Savini, who did the makeup. Oh, yeah. yeah, he did yeah. the makeup for it. And just like with uh, Friday the 13th, um, 4, he did the makeup for them. We, for actually, we actually met him um, during Texas. Yes, uh, we did. Uh, my <laughs> my regret is not getting a picture of him. But I get a second chance this time. Because yeah. this time he's going to be there again. Yeah. 
and I will get my picture with him. <laughs> yeah, and you, all, you, got a, you got a signed picture. Yeah, picture, right? yeah, I got his autograph. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's definitely a trip. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm not sure if you're going to um, be going to Texas from there weekend next year, Mike, but he will be there. And okay. yes, he will be there. So. But uh, but but yeah, he did such a terrific job um, on the the makeup and stuff like that. Like I said, the X to the head that although it was gruesome, it was genius. <laughs> so, well, uh, well, here's a uh, big question for uh, Mike. Uh, and my babe, he knows that I always ask this question because uh, we are Christians and I, you know, uh, believe in the Bible and, and stuff like that. And it doesn't matter if, if you do or not. You can still answer this question if you want. And if you, you if you don't want to, that's fine, too. But I always ask uh, my um, guests, how does this movie parallel the Bible, if at all? Now, <laughs> this movie... It does not. <laughs> I have no parallels with this movie. I have no scripture. I have no scripture for this movie or anything. Well, <laughs> well, let's, say, let's that water that that uh the uh, face was chased on turn it to wine. That's the only way I can, you know. Other than that, it's not that type of movie. I mean. And, and to be fair, no horror movie really is, but you can um, find a deeper message if you look hard enough. But for this movie, <laughs> nah. there is no deep mess. There is nah. no deeper message in this nah. movie at all. <laughs> what do you? What do you? What do you say? Yeah, I would say that the only message I can really think of is: if you ever find yourself in a situation. We're going to come into your radio station after hours. Get that out while you can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's the only thing that you can say. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I'm, 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 I don't get scared too, too often. But that scene where Let's Face jumped out the record room, yeah, I did jump. I'm not even going to lie to y'all. <laughs> Yeah, he. I mean, he was scary at sometimes. Yeah. At, at some points, he was scary because even at the end, when uh, you know, when Stretch was trying to get him not to kill her, uh, he was still scared. I mean, not too too scary because you know, like you said before, babe, you we could actually get away from this guy. Yeah. yeah. But but uh, but he was still scary nonetheless. It's just, it's just like most villains, if they get a jump on you. Without you knowing, then then yeah, you get double. But him, you if, if you can escape the first initial jump, you're good. Yes. <laughs> and uh, if you want to talk about if you want to talk about one of the commandments and honoring a father or mother, they keep grandpa preserved at the dinner table for decades after. You've been looking at the people in the dad mess. They don't think it's oh yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, yeah but, there's but, well, other than that, there's nothing. Good job. Good job, Mike. Good job. Yeah, but uh, 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 oh, okay. 
my uh, my next question is, and and I think we kind of covered this too. Uh, what do we think about each actor's performance? Um, I think, like I said before, you know about Dennis Hopper. He did his role to the best of his ability. He did what the script called for, you know. And I, I feel like that with every single person. Even Bill Johnson, who's, you know, who's Leatherface. I even feel like, you know, he he probably read the script and was like, okay, well, here's how I can play this character, you know, and, and he played it to the best of his ability. So I think that, you know, yeah, I, I think that they did what the script called for. I, I agree, and I said this earlier. I said Dennis Hopper is my favorite character or, or actor in the movie, but I still got to give props to Bill Moseley, not just because he created the way he does, but he, he takes Chop Top and he easily, Chop Top easily, especially the first, he first introduced to the character when he's just talking to Stretch. Yes. You know, he's, you know, you know he's one of the family, you know he's one of the family, you don't know what's going to happen exactly, but... Bill Mosley easily could have gone overboard of being more irritating or annoying versus just creepy, and which is what you're supposed to do. So I think he did strike a great balance of just creepy, creepy, and mysterious yes. versus just the other direction where it's just oh, this, he's playing a, he's playing this character just like a bubbling, annoying idiot, exactly. or what have you. So I think Mosley should definitely get credit for. Portraying, uh, yes, because you know, right, right on the right on the edge of creepiness without going to without going to over the top. So definitely, yep. the actor set up hit another part. Because Shop Top is very on uh, whoever created this character, and I think it was Toby Hooper, right? right? Uh, right. He Shop Top is a very creative character. Yes. Very creative. And and a less capable actor, he could have just, you know, veered off and not been a cult favorite, not been a fan favorite, not been a cult classic, veered off into the realm of just being an an annoying, freaky villain with no substance to him, kind of a whippy character, but Mosley definitely pulled it off with intensity and the right Right. factor. So yeah, Mosley definitely deserves props. And I heard that he was real nice, too. I heard that Bill Mosley was a nice guy. Uh, yeah, he's amazing. Mosley is definitely a fan favorite at conventions. Mosley is yeah, definitely a great person to meet. Have you ever had the chance? Definitely. Oh, yeah. Uh, have you ever met him? A couple of times. I've very the various conventions. Oh, okay. He's, he's always been awesome. He's always been great. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, that's, that's the end of my questions. I have um, some fun facts here, and I think my fiance has some fun facts, too. Um, and if, if you have any fun facts, Mike, um, please feel free to share. But um, uh, one of the family, uh, I mean, one of the first um, fun facts that I have is, and you already actually mentioned it, uh, <laughs> Mike, um, the family group shot as seen in the advertisements. And the posters and the video covers was um, the same positioning as the promotional group shot for the Breakfast Club movie. So we, we actually already covered that, and um, which is pretty funny because when I saw that, uh, when I saw the cover of the DVD that I had, I actually uh, was like, 
I know that pose. And then that's when I, you know, when I read that, when I read the, you know, that that was supposed to be it, I was like, that's where I seen that pose from. <laughs> I should have put two and two together because The Breakfast Club is one of my favorite 80s movies. So <laughs> I should have put two and two together. <laughs> and the, the second uh, 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 fun fact that I have is that um, the director, Toby Hooper, and the co-writer of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they originally ha- had an idea for a sequel that would feature an entire town of cannibals and, uh, and also be a, a satire of the film Motel Hell. Which itself was a satire, yeah. In itself was a satire of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, the little of the uh, the title of the sequel was to be Beyond the Valley of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but the studio faced um, considerable changes, and so the uh, yep. Uh, they made considerable change, uh, yeah, considerable changes to the screenplay, and they got a new screenwriter and everything. And so, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two is the result of the changes. And uh, another fun fact that I have is the. Um, when it was originally submitted to the MPAA, it received an X certificate prompting the filmmakers to release, to release it as unrated. That was probably because of that scene where he molested Stretch with the chainsaw. Most likely. Most likely. <laughs> That's probably why it got an X rating. <laughs> oh, oh, and here's a fun fact, too, uh, that everybody might be interested in. Uh, John Bloom, who we know as Joe Bob Briggs, was cast, and his name is listed in the closing credits, but his scenes were deleted out of the final film. I did not know that. They actually had the nerve to cut out Joe Bob Briggs. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Can you get to that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because everybody loves Joe Bob. <laughs> See, Mike Horrible. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, do, I do have my reasons. I, I am prepared to defend my answer to my initial answer about why I do think it holds up. Okay, do that. Oh, so I, guess I put myself in the spot now, apparently. Yep. So, I mean, I guess I think, yeah. Well, I'll say this. So, Comparing it with the first one, obviously the first one's a classic, and mm-hmm. I think, you know, and the first one works because, in my opinion, and probably a lot of your listeners as well, you know, you know, it came out in the mid-70s, horror really wasn't around at the time, you didn't have really too many horror films out at the time of the first one, and mm-hmm. and the first one is shot, obviously, at a low budget, and the kill, they came out of nowhere, if you remember, you didn't have, you know, the music leading up, characters creep around a corner, coming out, you know, then Leatherface coming out on cue, and he, I think the first time you see him, he just, you know, I forgot the, I forgot the character's name in the first one, but the first time you see Leatherface, when you see the guy's in the doorway, and they just opens up, and he just oh, yeah. the mallet, 
And so you just, you don't, you don't have any build-up. You just, you just there. You think it happens for a few of the characters. So the first one is shot in a very gritty, grounded, grimy, low-budget way, which I think is one of the reasons why it works as well as it does. So then we have the second one, and I think it's, and obviously it had more money to play with, but I think if it would have shot it the same way, I don't think it would have been remembered as well as it is now, as well being everyone's opinion, because in the context of when the second one was released, it was, what you say, 1986, I believe, right? Is that right? Yes, 1986. So, so 1986, we already had Friday the 13th, introduced. We already had a few of the Nightmare on Street movies. We already had a lot of those 80s you know, slasher films that have come out. Horror was already at its peak on the way, and I think people have already had started to see a lot of you know, horror movie elements and characters and things that are out there. So I think trying to make it as gritty or surprising as the first one would not have worked. So I, and I don't know if this is intent, but going the opposite way and filming it very colorful and a little more over the top, but not too much with you know, all these big set with all these big colorful sets right. and crazy crazy characters like Chop Top, I think it just worked out that it was different enough in the first one and in the context of where horror was, that it was still different than what people had seen is why I think the film still works. And also, and for myself to watch a horror movie, what it has going for it is it has consistency and yeah. it keeps the same tone. And it keeps the same tone. And when I say consistency, it never veers off. When I mentioned how Mosley doesn't portray Chop Top as too over the top or with the exception of a couple of moments, which I think knocked it down a couple of pegs, like the mother face comes face to face with Stretch the, the second right. time, it's sympathetic to her, or I think at the very end when, uh, before Stretch throws Mosley off the balcony, or when she, the scene at the, the top of the, the top of the family's cave or home where, was that the mom or grandma's embalmed and she steals something to make Chop Top go crazy and then she, they would overcome him. He almost plays that scene up a little bit too much. So with the exception of a couple of scenes, the tone is consistent in the way of it's still out there, but not too yeah. much. And you still have your kill that come out of nowhere. But when you first see Leatherface, Stretch is talking when Stretch is talking to Chop Top, you remember he's trying to lead her up the stairs or in the room, and Leatherface just comes out of nowhere with the chainsaw. Similar to the first one, there's no right. up, he disappears. Yeah. So they so they kept that element intact. So, again, just, it has, it's definitely different. I can appreciate it's not everybody's cup of tea, but considering the context of where horror was at the time and keeping some elements that worked, but changing it just enough to make it different, which is why I do give it props. I think it just, I think uh, Toby Hooper just lucked out that, in my opinion, it just holds together. Um, yeah. You know, 30 years, 30 years later. Well, uh, and I do agree with you about the consistency. I do uh, appreciate that because um, uh, this was the actual sequel to the first one. And they, you know, uh, like uh, Franklin and um, uh, um, uh, and I forget the girl's name, right? Uh, Sally, right? Uh, I think Sally. it was Sally and Sally. Franklin. Their uncle is actually trying to avenge their deaths. You know, so uh, so it was consistent with the first one, and I can I can appreciate that. Sure, and most 
And most horror films, sequels, they're, they're standalone films, nothing to do with previous entries, with the exception of the villain, of course. But this one at least tried to tie in the two somehow, even in a loose way. So right. it doesn't forget, it doesn't forget the events of the first film. Makes it Dennis Hopper, he's the uncle. So yeah, I, you know, has that consistency going for it, as well as the consistency of the tone it has and just the setting of the characters that the movie establishes. It doesn't start, it doesn't start out very great and then go to the, the House of Horrors underground with all these colorful sets. It kind of, you know, you had these colorful sets at the radio station, you had the colorful character in Chop Top. It maintained its consistency, tone, and characters and settings throughout the whole thing. And it didn't just jump around. So, right, so consistency in that as well as the sequel elements is why I think it is better regarded um, than the most horror sequels. I yes, think. consistency is key when it comes to right. movies, especially uh-huh. horror movies. <laughs> because sure. if you're going to have a part one, part two, part three, part four, part five, you want to be consistent. You know, you want, you know, this follows that and that follows this, you know. Exactly. That's what I. Saw, you know, I, I completely agree with you on that. I, uh, speaking of the other ones, I just saw part three and four just last week. And I, maybe this is for a different podcast, but the less, the less said about part three, the better I thought. <laughs> I don't know what the heck that was. I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't want to give too much hate up for that comment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have two more fun facts to um, to read, and then my um, my fiance will read his fun facts. Um, one fun fact is throughout the film, many references are made to the Red River rivalry. You probably know about the Red River rivalry, babe, uh, or Red River shootout. In regards to the football game going on during the film, and that was not invented for the film. Well, it's, it's, it's something. It's something. It's been a rivalry that's been around for decades. It, yep, and just, that's exactly what I wrote. Yep, just like Michigan and Michigan, Ohio State, uh, Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah, that, that's that's the game that was yep, going on. That's the game that was going on for Texas and Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a huge rivalry that's been around before I, even I was. I thought, I thought my mom's here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the film takes place during OU versus Texas weekend. Mm-hmm. Yep. And just, then, just passed not too long ago. Oh, did it? Yeah. Oh. Hold on, it's coming up. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. All right. And the last uh, fun fact that I have here is in the original screenplay, Stretch was going to be lefty and right's illegitimate daughter. I, I think I actually would have liked that uh, storyline better. You think so? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, what did you say? Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. Um, it says um, in the original screenplay, Stretch was going to be Lefty Enright's illegitimate daughter. Okay, that's what I thought. Was that I? <laughs> 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 <laughs>
I I don't know why. I just think that would have worked better than just you know her just. I don't know. It, it's yeah, yeah. I think that would have been that would have had a little bit more meat to it. A little more meat to it, sure. <laughs> and, at least, and, at, and at that time, it probably that that element probably would have not have used as much as it is today. So that still would have been definitely new or unexpected if that was a, if that was yes. a big twist. It would have been it would have been unexpected. Yes, that's what happened. Yeah, right. not not a twist. But like you just said, just unexpected. Unexpected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, babe, what are the fun facts that you um, have? I have some similar fun facts. Uh, we mentioned our good friend, uh, Tom Savini. Uh-huh. Uh, he once said that the makeup effects that he created for Grandpa is his most proud accomplishment. We compare his makeup to the to the age Dustin Hoffman in Little Big Man. I've never seen that. I, I, it's, pretty, it's pretty decent. Okay. Yeah, I, I think okay. I think you will like it. Um, I just got one more uh, quick fact. Um, uh, the actual, the actual uh, director he cameoed in the movie. Oh, he was frolicking through the um, during the party scene. I, I missed him. Yeah, I missed him. Man. Yeah, yeah. He's the one. He's the one that had. Yeah, he was the one that had the. I believe the, uh, the devil horns when she walked first. He walked past the room. Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I believe so. Don't quote me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'll have to watch it yet again to see. Because <laughs> I've been watching it all, you know, nonstop this whole week. And I still miss Toby. I could have said that fun fact just to make her watch it one more time. But we would never know. <laughs> <laughs> That's all the fun facts I got for right now. For the show. Uh, you didn't have any uh, fun facts, did you, Mike? I, I think all the fun facts I had heard or knew of, I believe you said them, the, uh, the, talked about the Breakfast Club poster. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. I did hear about, at one point, somewhere, there was an alternative screenplay. I wasn't aware of the details of that, but I think I did know that there was an earlier draft they didn't take, and you, you mentioned and I and the details about it, just I guess heard what you mentioned that. Other than that, I don't believe I, and I did not know about Joe Bob either, so that one is news to me. Yeah. It'll probably be news to just about everybody listening. Well, um, uh, just uh, one last thing here before we go. Um, I um, have a list of people who have have passed on that um, has Played um, that was in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Um, and of course, the first name on my list is Dennis Hopper, who uh, died, yes, yes, died, he died May 29th, 2010, 12 days after his birthday. And he was 74. Yeah. And um, Jim Sido. He died on November 20th, 2003. He was 83. And my man, Lou Perryman, who played LG. I, I loved LG. And I was sad when he died and sad to hear that he passed away in real life. He died April 1st, 2009. 
some guy actually murdered him. Oh, oh. Yeah, in his own house. Really? Yes, in his own house. Uh, I guess the guy, uh, um, I forget his name right now. I read it today. He um, went, went into this guy's house. I guess he was hacked up on some kind of, or no, he was, uh, he didn't take his medicine. He stopped taking his medicine. He was, some, I guess, some kind of missile case. Stopped taking his me- medicine, went into Lou Perriman's house and murdered him. So, yeah, and he was just 67 years old. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then uh, I have Dan Jenkins. He was the TV commentator. Uh, it, he just had a cameo in the movie. And he passed away this year, actually, uh, March 2019. And he was 90 years old. So he lived a good life. <laughs> he lived a good long life. So... But yeah, uh, that's it, gentlemen. I have no more questions, no more fun facts. Uh, nobody, nobody else that passed away. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I, I do want to mention that this was actually Jim Seidel's last film, right? Yep, right there. It was his last film. Um, he he never. Uh, I guess he never acted again because um. Yeah, um, when I was reading, going through and and reading some stuff about him, uh, about his passing, um, his, yeah, that was that was his last one. I I can't believe that because this movie was in 1986, but he didn't pass away until 2003. So maybe he retired from acting yeah. or something. What a way to go out, though. With the- yeah, because <laughs> this, this movie is a cult. This is a cult movie, and, you know, he, he made his mark. That's for sure. He made his mark. Well, guys, that's that's it for the podcast. I'm kind of sad. I was having fun with you guys. <laughs> well, great. You guys as well. Appreciate you guys having me on Oh, no problem. I appreciate, because, you know, uh, my uh, fiance, you know, he's uh, um, uh, every once in a while guest, you know, so you, I, I really appreciate him for doing this. And, and uh, of course, I love him very much. And, uh, Mike, I appreciate you for being a guest. You know, uh, you're welcome back anytime. Mm-hmm. So. Thank you. At least until your uh, listeners hate me for saying that I, uh, you know, didn't like part three or didn't like just, you know, the Oh, no, that, so, that's when I'll have you on. I'll have you on for part three. No, I'm kidding. Like, I'm, just, I'm kidding. I wouldn't do that to you. Be the complete opposite of what I was going to have you on. Uh, I wouldn't do that to you, Mike. I, I'll think of another movie. <laughs> a movie yeah, that you I like see. and care for. So <laughs> you know, it, can, it can be just as much fun as something I really don't like either. So either way, I'm happy with both. Yes. <laughs> well, to all my warriors out there, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast as well as the Friday the thirteenth A New Beginning podcast that I did last night. So all of this is for you guys. Um, season two is off to a great start. I hope you guys enjoyed season one. Uh, Mike, have you um, listened to any of my um, podcasts? Uh, 
Have you listened to season one at all? I have listened to some. I'll be honest and said it's bits and pieces leading up to tonight. Okay. So, well, uh, I've been the one. I will maybe go back and listen to the rest of the ones that I missed. Okay. <laughs> well, at least you've listened to them, even if it's bits and pieces. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Well, we have had such a good time, and but now it is time to say goodnight. And we, I will be back next week. Next week is a ladies' night. We are going to be talking about sleepaway camp. Hello. <laughs> the ladies, Angela Elliott, Rebecca Lee, and Kelly Dunsmore. We will be on next week. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, until then, this is Latrice Carter with Mike Katz and my handsome fiance, Bryant Wilson. And we will talk to you guys later. Bye. See you later.